listening to Hawks Insiders, home of quality analysis, special features, match recaps, interviews, and so much more. Follow us on Substack for extended coverage of all things brown and gold. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another Hawks Insiders podcast. Um, We are very excited this afternoon to be joined by a special guest. You've heard his dulcet tones on our Twitter spaces over the past um, 12 to 18 months, and we're really excited to have a chat with him to get down to business to preview the Box Hill Hawks season. Um, before we are joined by our guest, Ed Sill, the president of the Box Hill Hawks, I'd just like to welcome my guest host for this afternoon, Darren Levine. Darren, how are you going? Hey, good, Danny. How are you? Good, mate. Really excited about this chat too. I think, uh, you know, some insight into the Box Hill relationship and, um, you know, Box Hill season 2023 and what that looks like under the new coach and all that sort of stuff. So I'm looking forward to getting stuck into it. Yeah, I'm really excited too. And um, I think we may get a lot lot more joy watching Box Hill this year, actually, than than Hawthorne. Um, I know you and me, Danny, are, you know, regulars at the Box Hill President's Lunch and hopefully we get another one in uh, this year. But yeah, I, I, I love watching Box Hill play. I love going down there and I'm, I'm actually really excited about this season and the potential to see some, not just draftees, but some other recruits. I think it's, you know, the, the likes of Lockie Bramble and uh, some of these guys and Jai have shown that there's there's a pathway and I think that that creates a lot of excitement in in this season in particular. Absolutely. So we will get to our chat with Ed Seal right now. Welcome to the Hawks Insiders podcast, Ed Seal. Great to have you. Great to be with you guys. I really, um, really appreciate all the work you do to help uh, we Hawthorne and Box Hill people uh, get to hear more about uh, what's going on around our footy club. Well, we were talking before we jumped on uh, on air about how excited we are of having a dedicated Box Hill podcast with a focus um, and using that Box Hill lens. And I guess to strip it right back to start with, this has been probably actually without even any argument, the most successful um, alignment, VFL, AFL alignment in in history. Uh, And I just want to get your initial thoughts on why you think that is. Just dive straight into it. If you go back to the... um the history of where the alignment started back in the early 2000s. Uh, Ian Dicker, a, a legendary Hawthorne person, uh, identified that as the, as the VFL continued to evolve and change, that uh, he wanted to find a partner to, uh, to partner with in the, in the VFL. And the, the then president of Box Hill, um, another legend uh, at a footy club, John Ewer, got together and, and thrashed out uh, a joint venture agreement that's actually stood the test of time and which is quite remarkable it's not only the fact that it's been going for over 20 years but that that foundation document is has only ever been modified on the way through it's never been adjusted and changed and and it was really based on um ensuring that uh, there's a first of all a great deal of respect needed to be provided between the two organizations and i'll touch on that that a little bit later um, but also really clearly identifying everybody's roles in, in, uh, in what we're trying to achieve. And if, if you cut it back to what's the, the most difficult challenge for aligned clubs and uh, um, the, 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 over, the, the overarching issue is performance over uh, development over winning. And um, for, for whatever reason, a lot of alignments haven't been able to get over that hurdle. And whilst, whilst the alignment of Box Hill and Hawthorne have said, let's just acknowledge it's a, you know, it's a bit like having your, that uncle at your Christmas party. Well, we've just got to invite him because he's, he's family. But just acknowledge that there's some, there's some challenges that, that sit there. And we, we do. We, we acknowledge that there's some challenges. Let's embrace the fact that there's some challenges. But actually, let's focus on what comes out of it and what are the really good things that get drawn out of the alignment. And you then come back to that respect piece. Um, in my time at Box Hill and, and working reasonably closely with the Hawthorne Footy Club, you know, I could count, <laughs> not even on one hand, um, the amount of times we say, okay, we've, we've got a problem where the process of 
Box Hill trying to win games and be a standalone club in its own right haven't been respected by Hawthorne. It's like almost hasn't occurred. So when you've got those base parameters that you're working off, everything else actually becomes reasonably easy. And Ed, I'd, I'm glad you talked about um, development over performance and hinted at that at, as being an ongoing struggle because it hasn't limited Hawthorne and Box Hill's success in the VFL over that period of time at all, has it really? So one of the, the no, the, the um, results will tell you that. I was trying to work out in the last 20 years, we might have missed finals two or three times that are well above, punching well above what you'd expect to just based on pure data. Um, and if you, so it's, it's probably been a little bit more problematic now that we don't have a development league. That meant that the two or three Hawthorne boys that weren't, you know, up to VFL standard as yet uh, were plying their trade and developing. And, and you know, I think I look back at Will Langford and Taylor Jurey and Luke Bruce and those guys who spent quite a bit of time in development, the development league. So it's a bit, it's become a little bit more problematic. But realistically, we will only have one or two guys on our list playing on Sunday that you say, well, they're not probably not up to the VFL standard or that there's a group of Box Hill boys who are clearly better. It, doesn't, it just doesn't work out that way. So you still can be working on development and looking for high performance at the same time. You know, I, again, I could count, literally count on my one hand where you go, be the, guy, the Box Hill guy who missed out this week because of the alignment selection process was really stiff. They might have been okay the week before, but did they demand their position? No. I remember Nick Evans about seven or eight years ago got dropped for a while. I reckon he kicked four goals and, you know, it was probably the best three. And yeah, that, that was stiff. Other than that, you go, it's pretty long ball. It's pretty long ball and just accept it and embrace it. Um, and, and by embracing it, when the young... Box Hill boys that are training in pre-season, they're aware of the challenges. They're aware of the challenges, but, you know, we say, okay, fuck you. So it's interesting. Andy Collins for 10 years when he was at Williamstown was saying, don't go to Box Hill, you won't get a game. Now he's saying, come to Box Hill, you'll get wonderfully developed. And I reckon it sums up the, the two stories and, and our history of getting players drafted will talk a lot to the development piece. Yeah, it's something, when people like Jason Bennett call it the, the kind of gold standard AFL-VFL partnership and then you see that photo of the five five Box Hill guys lining up for the Hawks at the weekend, that must fill you, fill you with a lot of pride. And I guess, you know, do you have any any favourites from that photo? Um, you know, what, why is it, why has that pipeline been so fruitful, especially of late? I can answer that in a couple of ways. Um, so first of all, we take a lot of pride in the players, but equally we take a lot of pride in the admin staff, the support staff, the coaching staff who've progressed their way through. So when talk, Box Hill talk about developing people, it's not just the players. So if we looked at Hawthorne on, uh, Hawthorne on Sunday, um, we'd say, well, actually, Hawthorne's senior coach was not only a Box Hill player, he was actually a Box Hill coach. So we've helped people in the football department. There would have been three or four people in the football department who started their football journey at Box Hill. In the admin piece, there would have been people who started their journey at Box Hill. We've got this wonderful opportunity to bring young talent in. It's, it's really difficult to get into the football system if you don't have a brand or a name. And it makes no sense to me that you know, we could have all this wonderful talent just because they didn't play AFL footy, we turn our back on them. Um, so we've, we've embraced that and, and worked our way through. So I, I get incredibly proud. We had a, a, a Daniela San Jose, who's our community officer at Box Hill last year, has been promoted to, we, we actually don't say promoted, we say transferred. She's been transferred to Hawthorne's um, community engagement, members community engagement piece. Great opportunity for her. And she'll, she'll grow um, uh, significantly through that. So you know, we don't, don't limit it just to just purely um, players. Coming back to your question, well, but nonetheless, enormously proud of the, the five boys. And they all came on sort of different journeys on, on their way through um, and all embedded themselves pretty quickly in Box Hill. Um, John Newcomb lived with my family for, for 12 months post getting drafted. 
and um, he's just he's such a lovely kid. We, we speak every second or third day, and he just became part of our house within hours of landing here. So a um, bit of a soft spot. But I was also all of them, all of them. Uh, you know, James Blank, you might recall, uh, had a problem where he hadn't nominated for the end of the 21 draft. Therefore, he wasn't eligible for 2022. And um, a couple of people at, at Box Hill started to work hard on finding a manager for him who might be able to you know, work that way through. So we found him a manager who was well-connected with Brad Scott, who, of course, was running footy at that stage. And would you believe all of a sudden he became eligible for the mid-season draft? Now, that's, there's great stories every, everywhere you look. So we can't see any reason why, why that can't continue. Um, I, I, as much as I'm, you know, I love footy, I, I certainly don't claim to be a footy expert at the the actual structure and systems of playing. Which is, you know, I must have seen a thousand games of footy and still don't consider myself an expert uh, or or particularly clever on it. Uh, but our guys spoke about having a um, come and try day in uh, October or November of last year, where they invited people to think Waverley Park before the grass went off. Um, and both for VFL and VFLW to come and try and you know, see whether there's an opportunity to get onto Boxer's list. And I remember saying, there's, there's no, surely there's no VFL talent around that hasn't been through pathways or systems that we don't, we're not aware of. You know, is, is there, I don't understand why we're doing this. I understand VFLW because there's, there's the programs and the systems aren't absolutely embedded as, as hard as they could be. Anyway, I think four guys of the guys who trained that day made Box Hill's final list. And I think one or two might even play on Sunday. Um, so it's just having an entrepreneurial feel and an open-mindedness to say, just because somebody at Dandenong Stingrays doesn't think Danny Prince can play, we shouldn't be thinking that rules him out as a footballer. And it's, it's played out that way. Oddly enough, I think three of them came from Frankston YCW under-19s. And what a random place to source guys from. And um, they, they can play. There's a bit of a Jai Newcomb. They just, for whatever reason, weren't in the system. Jai tried to get into the system, whereas I don't think these boys, I think they're just, that's not what they're doing. Anyway, that, that probably sums up a little bit of the Box Hill. That's, you know, why not as opposed to uh, Why? Yeah, so I think a few of those um, we chatted about previously. Uh, Ethan Stanley, yeah. uh, one of them, a Gippsland boy, is Tristan Wark, yeah. um, yeah. who I think, uh, if my research is correct, and forgive me if it isn't, um, played as an 18-year-old in the Gippsland League, came runner-up in the League Best and Fairest. Next yeah. year, played as a 19-year-old, won the League Best and Fairest. So right. that's a fair resume for a guy who hasn't... Um, you know, gone through the the, the system. So, um, I well, mean, if, it's... If, you're, if, if you line that back, I reckon if you go back and look at Newcomb, he came fifth or sixth in the league best and fairest as a 17-year-old. Yeah, that's... Now, um, so there's yeah. these really odd anomalies that for some reason, I don't, I don't know about um, talent identification, clearly, but certainly what does appear to me is that there's a fear of making a mistake. Mm. So they will try to classify, well, that guy can run 20 metres in 2.2 seconds tick. That guy's 2.25, he's too slow. Okay, yep. we're, not, we're not doing anything over there. Yep. And it's just that well, they want to conform with their selection process. And for some reason, they just they lose sight of, can the guy get the footy? Can mm. the guy get rid of the footy? And it's a beautiful, seg yeah. it's a beautiful segue, Ed, because um, Sam Mitchell's obviously the most famous graduate of the Box Hill program and he was he was overlooked at this stage that's right until Jai overtakes yeah. him in in time but um he was obviously overlooked in his draft year because he was too slow you know couldn't couldn't move around the footy field but what what was ignored was the fact that the man had elite footballing ability um and look it's not just through the hawks and we've we've had examples of um, you know, people in, in in the past that have come through the Box Hill system, Dave Mirror is a is a really, really good one. Christian Height, who's now back at Box Hill as a coach. Uh, Ed Kerno, John Baird, yep. uh, Matt Ball, I yep. think is another one. I, and um, 
just for our listeners sake who might not be aware of that connection is there any more that i've missed and look this is just in my memory that yeah. have gone on to play afl um that have come through box hill maybe not at hawthorne yeah so certainly uh the ed kerno story was a was a good a good one where he, he got did he get delisted by adelaide and came and played with us in his first half of the year he was just like he was the best player in the comp. I think Sam Isles got delisted and came and played uh, a few years with us. Matt Jones came. I don't know if he ever was on a list, but came with us. And we, we, we were um, uh, we were we still had a development team that year, and I was at the uh, at the luncheon and and uh, I was watching the development game. And I watched this kid get like eleven kicks in the first ten minutes. Just remarkable. And someone said, "Oh, that's Matt Jones from Southport," and ended up. He was a great player. He got picked up by uh, picked up by Melbourne. Um, Cam Pedersen, I'm not sure if you mentioned him. He uh, came through Moorabah, Eastern, Eastern Rangers, went and had a really solid career for Melbourne. Then I think North Melbourne. Um, solid. I'm sure John, you or the club historian, would be able to come back. In fact, I'll, I'll get him to have a look at it. You know, I, I suspect to be 30 or 40 guys in that over that 20 years that that have come through the system and. Uh, and made AFL. It's it's just a great breeding ground. And you know, where does it start? You need to provide a really good program. That that's the cornerstone of this. Let's provide a really good program, and 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 let all the players take the opportunities that's presented to them. There's nobody at Box Hill who's who's playing footy for the money. In fact, every single player at Box Hill could get more money elsewhere. Uh, they're all playing to better themselves. Um, that might mean they get to AFL. That might mean they become a really good VFL player. That might mean they become a really dominant local football player. I, I take a lot of pride in reading through the Sunday morning results and just picking out all the ex-Box Hill boys playing well, particularly in Eastern Pretty League. Um, and just saying that our, our story is not just the five that played for Hawthorne. It's being able to get them into a great program, loving them, accepting that their time has come often, and but you know we, we we think we've contributed on a small part. It, it, it what's it what's the saying about it? it? Takes a village to raise a kid. Um, it takes so many different people to to raise a football. And we play a small part, but we do play a part in in, in their journey. I know it's it's obviously bigger than the five that lined up on the weekend. But what does it say to the the group? And what you, what's the feeling in the group now that they look at someone like Fergus Green, who probably gave up on his own career um, in the AFL, and and you know he's lining up for Hawthorne and have, has a contract now. What does it say to the to the guys that are playing for Box Hill on the weekend um, about what they can do in footy? I think it's a really good point, Darren, that it drives the, the story about perseverance. Most of the guys who've got to Box Hill from a recycled process, have got some perseverance. They've said, okay, they've, they've got onto the list, a list, they've been dropped off and they've gone again and, and, and shown the work ethic. I would say the Fergus Green story resonates with um, it's not too late. Um, we've got two guys, I think, um, both Cal, Cal Porter and Cal Brown, that fit very comfortably into the Fergus Green uh, story that uh, for whatever reason, you know, they, they didn't quite get to where they wanted to get to in their first instance. Cal Porter will tell you he's so much a better footballer than what he was three or four years ago. And then he's, he's just become an elite athlete, etc. Cal Brown, Hawthorne really liked and said, we'd love to see him down back a little bit. We think he could be a really good distributor. On Sunday, the practice match against Essendon, three-quarter time, he he's he was you know our best player. In fact, they then moved him into the middle and he dominated in there as well. So I think they're both sitting there going, I know this pathway is a good pathway. And particularly now you've got so many more ways you can get onto a list, whether it be the, the SSP, the mid-season draft, the listed uh, free agents, et cetera, which I think is fantastic. We, you know, we should be making it so much easier to get players the opportunity. People, we... we Feels like 10 years ago we celebrated getting an ex-AFL player onto our list, like it was a really big deal. Now we go, oh great, they're coming, good, fantastic, move on. And it's because we've got a good story to sell, and and we know they'll, we we know we'll give them every single opportunity. And, and I think, oh sorry, Ed. So the so the guys, you know, just a little example, the guys on um, the guys on Sunday. I think we played 28, 29 players out at the hangar. 
and uh, Andy Collins was the long, uh, was the bench coach. So every player who, who came off for an interchange was having 30 seconds with Andy Collins. Yeah. So it's a pretty unique bit of experience of those guys. And, and then, then you look over and you've got David Hale chatting to somebody, um, Adrian Hickmott chatting to somebody. I know Sam keeps in contact with a lot of the older Box Hill boys and um, talks about their footy. That's, it's just they're given the opportunity to do a good job. Absolutely. And, and two things I want to touch on um, based on what you've just said there is firstly, um, seeing that link between the Box Hill coaching staff and the Hawthorne coaching staff, like you talked about with Andy Collins, with Sam Mitchell previously being a Box Hill coach, understanding that pathway uh, with now Zane Littlejohn, who splits his role between Hawthorne and Box Hill. That must be attractive for recruiting purposes for guys like Cal Porter, Cal Brown, Fergus Green, when they look at a, at a v, they say, we want to stay in the VFL because that'll get us the best opportunity to play AFL again. They yeah. see Box Hill Hawks and you guys probably, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not an expert, but wouldn't have to do too hard a recruiting because your record speaks for itself. It's um, we, we'd like to think so. You don't want to be, I don't want to be too cocky, but we, we know what we can do and we need to, but, we will use every piece of um, utility we can to get people across. So, so the coaching piece actually goes even further than that. So Damien Mercedes, who's now both playing and a, a line coach at Box Hill, also spends time within Hawthorne's coaching program. Most of the line coaches at Box Hill will spend time within the Hawthorne coaching program. So what a great experience for them and what, what a great piece of knowledge they then bring back to the to the the, uh, the playing group, um, and and you know we're we're very keen that long that long may that continue. Now, look, Sam particularly goes play uh, runs deep um, in terms of his involvement, which is fantastic. But the the other one, I'm sure you, I know you're very interested um, pre-season observers. I think in the in intra club we might have had eight or ten Box Hill boys playing, and you know, the best part about that, it wasn't the guys we know about. It was the young guys who shone a little bit on the track and, and, and Sam was saying how nervous they were and how, and he loves that sort of stuff, you know, watching the, the young kids so nervous. And, um, but, you know, again, from a recruiting viewpoint, Hawthorne have guaranteed that those kids, you know, they've got, to, they've got to get to a certain standard, but that's very rare that they don't. Um, obviously enough, James Blank was one that, you know, probably struggled to get to a running standard a couple of years ago to be able to do a pre-season training um, but they're going to do a pre-season training a couple of days a week playing match simulations playing uh, practice matches players top-ups in other games that's a pretty compelling story if, if I had a an 18 year old son who'd missed out on the draft I'd be going okay there's days you're not going to play let's accept that but if you're good enough you probably play where are you going to get a better development program you might get equal but I can't see anywhere you're going to get better I'm not even sure. I know you need to be the politically correct there, Ed, but I'm not even sure you can get equal, to be honest. Sure. Now, sure. Um, you talked about transitioning and transitioning from Box Hill to, to Hawthorne and all of that sort of thing. Let's transition um, this conversation towards a focus on the 2023 season from a Box Hill perspective. Um, yeah. It shapes up as a really exciting year for the Box Hill Hawks. Um you guys start your season proper this Sunday at 10 a.m. up in Sydney. Now, the last time, the last uh, Box Hill game we, Darren and I went to, was obviously the Hawthorne Sydney game at City Oval. Yeah. Uh, we copped a little bit of a hiding that day. Um, yeah. How does this, this week's team, or, or what you know of this week's team, obviously pending selection, how yeah. does that stack up and how does that compare to that, that team last year? Uh, it won't be too different um trying to think what would one one of the things that really when we get imbalanced at box hill is when we become really young at hawthorne so games last year where i reckon we'd love to again have a look at the data i reckon between liam shields dan howe and tom phillips when they played i don't think we ever lost and because they just played you know good solid footy and you know they'll they'll particularly Howe and Shields were such good guys at the footy club in terms of playing the system. Um, 
we probably won't have that from mid-range experience guys coming out of uh, out of Hawthorne to play on on Sunday, which will be a bit of a challenge. It could be fascinating in two or three weeks' time when when Harry Morrison and Josh Morris and Jekka come back that we might probably, you know, some of those might come back with us. Um, I think we're reasonably pleased with our the Box Hill listed players. Um, biggest difference this year is that Hawthorne's got four Ruckman on their list compared to only three for most of last year. And then big chunk of time, they were all injured and the knock-on effect was was dramatic. So Ned Long, as an example, rucked quite a bit in round one for us against Collingwood um, last year, which we expect him not to do uh, this week. So I think our season tends to take a little while to settle. We tend to, I talked before about the development boys, the, the young Hawthorne boys not being ready for VFL. They'll probably be the same on Sunday. Sydney will have the same issue, mind you. Um, so the top two or three, but by the time you get to around seven, eight, nine, they're starting to get into their groove and, and starting to play their role and, and do the things you need them to do. And, and the other thing is, I think I was chatting to um, well, Pat Clancy, the general manager this morning and, and reflecting on that game last year was the land of the giants. Sydney had everywhere you look at Laddams and a couple of big tall forwards. Oh, killed us, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't think any of them are going to be playing with uh, with Buddy out. I think Wits is out. Um, Laddams is still suspended. So we, we mightn't have that such a challenge as we did last year. Do you have any expectations for, for this season in terms of finals? Or I mean, it's obviously been a good five or so years since we've won a flag at, at, at Box Hill. Are there any expectations going into this year? Oh, I think we, we because we've pretty confident about our programs. Playing finals is, is sort of a bare minimum expectation for us. Um, so, and we, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't recoil from that. Uh, it's going to be how far further we progress will be around those four or five young box, uh, young Hawthorne boys. Um, if they can hold their own and, and, and do a little bit more than that, and certainly the first signs of that are really positive. Um, then, then we might progress. It's, it's you know, no surprise that Hawthorne's obviously in a deep rebuild. Um, we don't have, you know, we won't have the luxury of a Liam Shields or a Dan Howe too much this year, and that 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 does cause us a challenge. Um, so finals, yes, just got to get ourselves in the, the pecking order of you know, having a go, and then you know, in the last few weeks, starting to select sides that that might rev it up. And, and Sam was very helpful with that last year, and I expect him to do the same this year. So um, it, it's a it's a big challenge. I look at Casey and I look at Sydney and a few others and go, they're they're going to be putting some really good sides out. And you know, we've lost two Bens, Ben Tavar and Ben Defolo already to knees. So that wasn't particularly helpful. Just beautiful young men as well. So. Um, that's the, that's the challenges of footy, isn't it? It's a brutal, brutal game we love. It's like you were reading our, our run sheet, Ed, because oh. my next my next question was, how does uh, how do those ACL injuries sort of impact um, the planning for Zane and uh, and and his team in terms of you know we don't. We, most general supporters won't know much about uh, the new Ben, but Benny yeah. Kavara, obviously, with Fergus Green now on Hawthorne's list and playing in the AFL probably shaped as our most consistent goal kicker in, yeah. in the VFL. He's a phenomenal VFL player yeah. um, and probably one of those ones along, if he wanted to, along with Cal Porter and Cal Brown, that could probably get another crack yeah. at AFL level. How do, we, how do you go losing a player like that? And also, um, you know, any sort of senior listed VFL player for that, for that extended period like we have? Yeah, it's, it's really difficult. Our model, we've got, 30 players on our list, and then we have another six in a, in a development program. We typically target between 10 and 12 guys that we think are our core VFL players, um, because once you start to get more than that, then all of a sudden your core players are typically missing out on games, and, and that's something that doesn't make a great deal of sense to me. So we try to get our balance right. So those two boys were both core, and we're you know, too late 
in the season to, to try to replace them. Now, there's a few guys that were still available. I think, you know, we went hard after young Narkles from Geelong, but he was still living in Geelong and wanted to ended up Essendon was easy to get him. You can't replace them. Um, Benny Cavara was captain of the VFL team of the year, what, 53 goals or around 50 goal mark. Just a great kid around the ground. You can't, you, 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 no, you, no use kidding ourselves. Was, the injury happened too late in the year. We can't, we can't replace him. The flip side is that we've got some young Hawthorne boys in, in Brockman, um, Butler, those types of guys that hopefully can, can fill the place. Ben DeFolo was, he, he was considered draftable at the end of 2021, went and played at um, Northern Bullants, finished second in their best affairs, came across uh, and was training within Hawthorne. Uh, and I know Sam had his eye on him saying, oh, this kid can play. So again, we, we never got to see him play this year, obviously, but he, you know, he, tall, key defender. Again, they don't grow on trees either. So they're, 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 they'll be missed, they'll be missed. I want to talk about um, our new senior coach, Zane Littlejohn, and, and if you could talk through the impact he's made um, so far since since joining, and then also that that kind of dual role that he plays, I think, as a development coach, um, and and how and how the, that kind of fosters that Hawthorne Boxhill relationship too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Zane's background is a, um, by his own definition a scrubber footballer. I think he played two VFL games for the Tassie Devils. Ironically, one of them against Box Hill. Um, he but he at a very early age had the coaching bug and really started to put himself through coaching programs, got up to Brisbane to run to the, some of their academy work up there. And uh, and from a fair way out, he was sort of a leading candidate um, to, to come down to Box Hill. He's got a, um, there's a bit of Sam about him and that he's got, a, he's always smiling, but there's a, there's a glint to that smile. And uh, I don't think anyone's un, left in any doubt as to his views on topics, which I, I at this level is so important. So uh, he's been fantastic energy, um, friendly guy. Bit of ruthlessness. Very ruthless. I very, love that. Very ruthless. Very ruthless. As I say, the same glint in his eyes Sam's got. What what do we need to do to win this game? The, the job itself is probably the hardest job at Hawthorne. Everyone acknowledges it. You've got the full-time development role and then you're going off to box hill where 35 players want your attention and 10 coaching staff want your attention so he's a you know he's a 70 hour a week guy and and history has shown um that that's the case and and we learned we've learned previously you need to put good people around them so even when sam had that role we, we wanted to put andy collins around him just from an experience viewpoint and this year you know, we've done that again and brought Andy back in to to really support Zane and, and they've become really close and working together. And um, so no, he's a he's a he's a really nice fellow, um, good family man, but got a got a strong focus. And um, from what I can see, you know, trying to you know try to observe the body language of the players, they they really love working with him. And I think it's you know, you're well on your way at that point in time. Absolutely. So we'll have a, a couple more questions, main, mainly around who we should keep an eye out for um, before we wrap up. Um, obviously, Callum Brown's a name on, on most people's li lips, and he was very close to securing that final list spot where Hawthorne in the end decided to keep it open for the yeah. mid-season draft. What should we expect from Cal? And um, you touch on, you know, the Hawks want to see him in the back line, Obviously, they've got an eye on him uh, as a potential uh, person to fill a list spot. And is there anybody else um, out of the big names that we should keep an eye on that'll be really big players uh, this season at Box Hill for, in the VFL? I think if you go back and look at the, the Fergus Green story, as Darren touched on before, uh, he was very close to being picked up start of last year. Um, and for, for whatever reason, Hawthorne said, you know what, we'd like to see one more year out of him. He was very close mid-season draft. Um, they had, I think they literally went in with three names and he was the third name. 
Um, so, you know, kept on knocking on the door, knocking on the door, and then had a fantastic finish to the season and, and meant Hawthorne's decision was, uh, was much easier. So I see a little bit of that with Cal Brown. I'm almost certain that Hawthorne have not, um, have, have not taken him out of their, their mind. I think they'd love to see him playing that rebounding defender's role a little bit um, and seeing how he can distribute the ball. Uh, while still whacking him in the middle. So he, he'll be the one. I, so the other one I, I really love is, and I've already mentioned him, Cal Porter. So Cal came a couple of years ago, um, was sort of put into a little bit of the tagger type role or the Mr. Fix-It type role. If someone was hurting his up forward, he'd go down there. Or getting smashed out of the middle, he'd go and sit on that guy. Um, he's... He's dedicated himself over pre-season, uh, his running capacity, his power. He's really focused about um, getting out, uh, getting his first three or four steps out of um, uh, scrimmages powerful. So to move himself into that that type of player, I, I you know, I, of course I'd prefer, well, preference would be for the guys to go to Hawthorne, but I'll look at him and say, there'll be clubs that will be in finals contention that might have lost a, a midfielder to injury or something along those lines. Cal Porter, in my mind, is AFL standard. He's AFL standard. Um, and I would hope, you know, if he gets a good injury run, that the first half of the year, he'll, he'll prove that he's AFL standard. So that, that they're, they're, the, they're the two, I think, that are, that are, that are standouts. I, I still, still watch Damien Mercedes play and don't understand why he didn't get an opportunity at AFL level. Um, but even that was being spoken about a couple of years ago, was was he a, a sneaky chance as a bit of a veteran, um, just to, to get on and add his leadership and uh, and his calmness around his footy. Um, so I think they're look they're the two guys that uh, that I expect. And then there's the three or four young kids. Hopefully that, that we've already spoken about. You know, want to get him five or six games in. Um, a couple from last year, Jake Rumble, um, Louis D'Angelo had a taste of it. Their good footy was actually really good. Their bad footy was bad, which is no surprise for 19-year-olds if they can slightly take their better footy to a higher level and increase their, their bad footy. Do they become into the mix? Yeah, we've probably got 26 of the 30 guys who are still have an opportunity to play, uh, play AFL footy. Uh, it's a good segue too there, Ed. Um, a couple of the other young blokes, Max Hall, um, Mitchell Struck. Yep. Uh, were, were guys who had really good um, sort of glimpses at at uh, at VFL level last year. Who who out of those sort of that group of players and and keeping in mind the Tristan Warks and the Ethan Stanleys and those guys as well. Yep. Who who do you expect to sort of surprise us this year and and really show that their VFL quality week in week out and potentially sort of um, put their hand name up in lights to to be selected by an AFL club. Yes, so I think I, I would add Lockie Wind into that that conversation, particularly as an old, a taller guy. They, they tend to take a, a little bit of time. At times last year, you go, oh, he's, he's a little bit out of his depth. Then he'd pick the ball off his toes, swing onto his left, swing onto his right. And go, oh, hang on, let's we've got a bit early here. Um, Shrucky, I don't know if you've ever seen his legs. They're they're um, they're the most powerful unit you ever see, yeah. and uh, they are tree trunks. Yeah, he. Um, I reckon he played a couple of games in the middle last year where you go, physicality-wise, he's he's there. Uh, I think he'd be the prime example of a guy who needs 20 games just to make sure his, his time limits on how quickly he gets rid of the ball is, is okay. Um, and, and Max, did Max kick three or four goals in a final, a final last year? And everyone's looking around going... Um, no, what, what, where's he been all year? Um, That's what caught my eye. Yeah, yep. yeah. The other one I, I, I actually assume he's still on ALS is uh, Max Walton. I don't know where big back. He he looked last year, so he was playing Gippsland as an overager and and back with us when when he didn't play with Gippsland, and he looked the most um, comfortable time wise. Mackenzie on Sunday when he got the ball. And he just looked around and yeah, okay, yeah, you're, you're one of those um, yeah. just class. Uh, Walton had the same feel about it, sort of like a bit of a Will Day piece. Um, still, you know, just trying to get his body right, but got the angles right, 
dropped the ball, wasn't hurried, got rid of it calmly. So he he certainly fits in. There's a, we had a good group of first year players last year that that you know, we think with another preseason under their belt. Who knows? You know, they, they've got to. But it comes back that they've got to take the opportunity. You, you, at Box Hill, you won't get three or four weeks of not playing your part. You, you need to stake your claim. Speaking of Cam McKenzie, obviously, I don't think he's going to be playing much uh, footy at Box Hill this year by the looks yeah. of it. Yeah. But in terms of those other draftees, you know, ob- obviously a lot of hype around Josh Weddle, but then you've got, the, you know, Bailey McDonald and Bennett's and O'Sullivan, Husway. Um, can you explain their impacts on the group? They, they seem to be a really exciting crop of draftees for Hawthorne. So um, yeah, what have they reckon, added to this group? I reckon, um, generally speaking, and I think Hawthorne's, um, so, you know, Josh Vandler is a great strategist and, and at Hawthorne and, and you know, tends to look at things a little bit differently. Um, I think they've, they've tended to go for players that have got um, something that's, AFL elite. So the guys you've mentioned have all got some, an attribute there, whether it be pace, whether it be calmness um, uh, under pressure. Looking at Husswaite on Sunday, and he's just got that that sort of spatial awareness where you can see everything coming, but he can unfold it and he can see where he's going to. And I think Bennett's got uh, good pace, etc. Weddle seemed to have a bit of everything, from what I could see on Sunday, a bit of pace, a bit of aggression. Um, so, the, but those those two or three are the guys that that from a box hill viewpoint, you know, we need pretty quickly to come on and, and be providing a stable position. What I saw on Sunday was really positive, but I've been lured into with practice match form previously, and you just just got to just hold your weight. I think clearly with Mackenzie, we won't see. Weather wouldn't surprise him if we don't see much of. And, and everything I sort of hus weight on. Sunday um, indicated that uh, you know we, we've got a player there. I, I was asking a question: Why he was? A, I think he was. A, you guys will know better than me, but he's a draft slider, some sort of sort of top twenty at the top end of the year, and then we'd, we where we picked him up you know, a bit further down than expected. And the reason was he's just, just his running. Uh, his engine wasn't elite, or you know, wasn't particularly strong. But Hawthorne took the view: is gee, everything else about this guy is pretty good. Um, and you, you only need to watch him from you know, first touch of the ball. As I said, just got that calmness can identify, and he, he just he also takes really aggressive with his kicking. I I could see him being Box Hill's centerman uh, for the year, and just not too dissimilar to what Newcomb did a couple of years ago, really becoming the, the focal point where we we funnel the ball through. So, but those guys. Those guys will be the challenge, um, but it happens really quickly. You know, Ramsden last year after he got mid-season draft, two or three weeks in, we're going, oh, bloody hell, this is a bit of a challenge. Then he played down at Frankston and he was best on ground at half time, you know, picking the ball off his toes and moving either way. And and, and on Sundays, kick four goals and you go, well, is, is this guy a key forward? So... They've all got tricks, and it's you know how quickly can those those tricks you know be, be taken into consistent football? Absolutely, and I think you touched on it. You know, outside of the first year guys, we've also got like this other tier of um, second and third year players like Ramsden, like uh, Brockman. You mentioned Butler as well. Um, Denver Granger Barras is another one. Um, you know, there's 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 plenty of them. The one that I wanted to ask you about, which I've been really, I I he's a personal favourite of mine. He has had a bad run of luck, but um, Seamus Mitchell uh, in in the match scrimmages and match sims, and also in the practice match on the weekend, has had great comments from Zane Littlejohn. Um, you know, have you seen much of of of, of Seamus, and and do you expect hopefully that he takes that next step and pushes his case forward for selection? Because he's effectively like Dylan Moore, a little bit on his last chance. No, no, no doubt that he he needs to uh, he needs to convert. Um, and again, I was chatting to one of the one of the coaches about uh, about Shane. So in in his well, his draftable year, I think he missed most through injury. Um, so had a, he's been an injury plagued player. Which means that whilst we sit there and go, oh, he's a third-year player now, and he should be operating at that level, that's not actually a fair marker for him because he's played very, very little footy. Um, the best indicator 
So, so going back to that, the coaching comment, they said a couple of times in you know, scrimmages for 10 minutes of games, he was the best player. Then for 50 minutes of the games, he was the worst player. Um, and you think, okay, if that if he was a first-year player, you'd be really excited by that. The fact he's third year, you sort of balance that out a bit, but go, actually, he's not first year. Third year, he's, he's um, still coming. The first game last year against Collingwood, he reminded me of one of those sort of really quick Gaelic footballers where they've got those beautiful feet that tap and they, they run at 100 miles per hour and they bounce either way. Uh, he did a bit of that again on, on Sunday where you know, he's been given licence. It's your, it's, your, it's your primary tool. Use your, use your soft feet and charge forward. So if he can get his body right, he's got something that's AFL level. And, you know, Hawthorne's never been inside overly endowed with pace. But, um, yeah, I think there's something there. But I, I would say, without any inside knowledge, I would say Hawthorne would love to see him play six good games. He's not, he's not one of those guys who's once, I think Weddle is a good game away from potentially getting a chance. Husway's probably a good game from getting, I think he's probably got, got to do a little bit more. And, and why not? Let's get some games into him before we throw him into what's, you know, it's a cauldron. And we saw uh, with young Butler last year, you know, he got thrown in and, and showed some signs, but it's a challenge. Um, Sunday, he was, um, you know, his last half, you just watch and go, oh, that kid's too good for this level. He's not a VFL player. It's a great, it's a great story to be having. Absolutely. Oh, and we'll let you go soon. But um, I just want to, obviously, you, you, you're close mates with Sam Mitchell and you've had a long-standing relationship with him. Have you got a chance to speak to him after after the game on on on, on Sunday? And, you know, the media's already on the Hawthorns tanking, Hawthorns, you know, up for a, a season of pain. Do, do you have any sense of how he's feeling? Yeah, no, we, we, uh, we spoke last night for about half an hour. He, um, he typically... Last year rang sort of after more challenging games and um, just for a, for a, a different conversation. He, he was pretty busy this week, so it took a few more days before he rang. He, he's a pragmatist. You know, they, they've identified things both on and off field that, um, that, that can be improved on. Uh, I guess my commentary, and he knows what I'm going to say, my commentary is we're now 23 games into a designated 68-game program of getting time into the kids. We're not halfway yet. We're well off, you know, just over a third, one game over a third of the way. And whilst nobody was, no, I can't, whether it be players, coaches, staff, supporters, no one was backing away and saying that we can blame that on Sunday. Sunday, by Sam's own public admission, wasn't good enough. But this is a journey and he's on the journey. Um, and he... he He's very clear what he wants to do, very clear on the, you know, I think he's made it again, stated pretty publicly, you know, we need to start developing some A graders out of what we've got. We think we've got perhaps 10 or 12 players who might have that capability. Uh, by the end of the year, that's how we'll measure ourselves. But I said to him, I, 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 as much as people were going on about O'Meara and Mitchell and, and Gunston, I thought the guy we missed the most on Sunday was Ben McAvoy. When when we couldn't get the ball back, um, last year McAvoy would just take a contested down the line mark and we'd have the ball for the next minute and everything would just change just on one that, that one piece of play. Um, and we didn't have that. And you can't expect, you know, the, the two Ruckman, you know, they're, 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 I suspect like everyone, they've got to be better than what they were. And we've got to get them to that stage. But, you know, ben, ben took seven or eight years before he became a, a really solid, reliable Rockman. So, um, no, Sam was, he was fine. He bounced back pretty quickly. Um, looking forward to the challenge. Very clear in the mistakes they made, where they can improve. Still got great confidence in, in, in his list and his playing group and his coaching staff. So, um, and, you know, I, I also reflected to him, if that was round six, We'd sort of ride it off and consign it a little bit easier. It's just horrible because it was round one and it's bloody Essendon. So uh, it just sort of magnifies everything, doesn't it? 
It definitely, it definitely hurts when it's yeah. Essendon, when it's yeah. round one, when it's the 40 year anniversary of 1983, all of that yeah. sort of stuff, you know. The thing the most hurt was that Redmond doing that, that really. Yeah, that that needed a little bit of white line fever after that, I think. But uh, Ed Sill, thank you so much for joining us. We uh, we really appreciate it. Um, We know that the Box Hill Hawks uh, are a huge part of the Hawthorne program um, in and of itself, but also just a huge um, part of the VFL community as a standalone. Uh, We're grateful for your time always, and uh, we yeah we really appreciate. We hope you go well this year. Good luck on Sunday. Uh, and Darren and I will be down for any president's lunch you want to invite us to. Fantastic. We are Let's more than welcome to come Let's down. Do it. Really appreciate the support, guys. It's, I genuinely say it's greatly appreciated. No, thank you so much. Okay. Cheers. Thank you. That was a phenomenal conversation with our good friend at the Hawks Insiders, Ed Sill, the president of the Box Hill Hawks. Does your takeaway thoughts on that? Yeah, obviously um, loving the, the the kind of thoughts from Ed around that Box Hill and Hawthorne relationship and 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 sort of the, the next crop of players who may end up on a Hawthorne list. And, and if not, um, it's just great to hear about the, the sort of characters that, that are there at the club. A few journeymen, a few people there that, that have maybe been passed over for whatever reason from other clubs that are just eager to get out there and, and have a crack. And, you know, they see the the Fergus Greens of the world and the Giant Newcombs of the world. And and I, I love that that's fostering a, a great spirit within the club. And I think it's an exciting time at Box Hill. And I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to watching them play this year. We will definitely be getting down to as many Box Hill games as we can. Uh, and we hope to see as many of you guys out there uh, as, as we possibly can, because um, at the end of the day, not all of these Hawthorne young kids can play at AFL level every given week. So there'll be plenty of talent on display. So um, that has been your Hawks Insiders podcast with a real Box Hill slant. Um, thank you so much to Ed. Thank you so much to Darren. Um, if you would like to subscribe to the Hawks Insiders, you can do so through our Substack. $5 a month, $50 for the year. Um, we are delivering a lot of quality content at the moment and we don't aim to slow down at any point in the future. So jump on board, subscribe, come along for the ride uh, and be involved in a really incredible and ever-growing Hawthorne community. Thank you so much and goodbye for now. This was another Hawks Insiders production. Make sure to subscribe to our Substack for wall-to-wall Hawthorne footy club coverage.